This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi, and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine, and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of the show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help, and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. My name's Maggie and I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership, We're self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There is no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of the disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death and if you think this sounds dramatic we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is one's too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink and this makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether their life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. 
Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9, and we're just about to interview a member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Hi, I wonder if you'd like to introduce yourself, starting with your age and how long you've been sober. Um, I've just turned 80, and um, I'm 11 and a half years in sobriety. Wow. And are you working? And what, what about your family? Are you married? Do you have children? I was married. Um, I have children. My daughter died um, in my first year and a half of being sober. So that was a plus. Um, and son, yeah. And I have been on my own for about 30 years. And where are you from and where did you grow up? Can you tell us a bit about your childhood? Uh, Christchurch, all my life, except for working. Um, I... Yeah, I was married for nearly 25 years, and once children left home, um, I left home, um, best way to put it. Okay, and can you tell us when you started to drink and how it progressed? Uh, well, everyone did it at 15 when I was in the surf club. I was introduced to smoking and drinking. Um, we used to have hilarious times, and I think from then on, I was never all the time drinker. I don't even remember if I was a binge drinker. But alcohol was part of my life from from that age. And when did it come to the point that you that you felt it was a problem? Oh, when I was sixty eight years of age, I right. was sitting um, sitting at a friend's place and was really rude. And the next morning, I went to the phone, opened the phone book to the emergency numbers, and um, rang AA. And I knew nothing about AA. But I knew there was something. So I believe it was a God moment, quite frankly. So you never felt in between 15 and, and when you stopped that it was a problem or you just didn't want to admit that it was a problem? Oh, I do that. Didn't, didn't think about it, quite frankly. I mean, I've had a lot of incidences in my life where my drinking has caused me to um, fall and dislocate. I've got artificial hips and... Um, I've dislocated one side 16 times, but never thought it was alcohol. But the funny thing is I haven't dislocated my hip since I've been in AA. So moral of the story is, (laughs) I mean, there is a moral, stop drinking. So that that morning when you woke up, would would, would you describe that as your rock bottom? Oh, my rock bottom was that night. Um, I knew, well, I don't know if a rock bottom, I mean, you know, who really can describe a rock bottom? Um, I don't know, but I know that what I said and did wasn't befitting my age. And um, I, yeah, I was really rude. And um, did you remember saying what you said? Oh, yes. Right. Every day I've been told what I, when I was told. Yeah. Um, the son came over to where I was living. I was in a relationship um, with my friend Bill and um, the boy, uh, the son, who's about 45 at the time, uh, came over for, uh, for a meal and we were sitting talking after the meal and um, Bill said something and the son said, well, you're always hard on us as children. And so from all accounts, I said, well, once an asshole, always an asshole. And um, which isn't actually normally the way that I spoke yeah. as a rule. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I'm posh in any means, but, um, yeah. So and when he and Mike left and I thought, oh, he's going early. 
And I honestly can say I believe I had a sitting up blackout. Right. Because I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. But I know how much I drank that night. Yeah. Because um, living at Bill's was good because we'd go shopping and then he'd say, oh, let's have a drink at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and we'd sit and drink until tea time. Yeah. So, yeah, I drank, yeah. So my rock bottom was definitely then, I'm quite sure. Yeah. yeah. I must say, I um, I certainly said things that, that weren't me. Oh. They just, I, I just, I, I found them really hard to believe because that's not who I was as a person. And it was, I was, I was often so ashamed of mm. what I'd said because it was nasty, you know, and it was cruel and, it, you know, and could often be vindictive and things as well. Just awful. So I wonder if you could tell us, so you made a decision, you got in touch with AA. So what happened from there? Well, I rang AA and um, at that stage, there were just telephone numbers to ring. There was no one answering the phone like we have now. And um, I picked a number and rang it, and a woman told me about meetings. Uh, there was no offer to help in any way, but that was okay because I knew. So I didn't go to my first meeting that night. So that was uh, Sunday morning. Um, and I actually went to where the Bishopdale, well, Waikiki South meeting was at the Bishopdale Library in those days. Um, and there was so many people there, and at any rate, I didn't go in. But the next night, I went to um, a meeting, um, Living Sober, in, uh, Barring- in Farrington Avenue then, now in Chapel Street. And I, I went in, and because of my age, wife is here at 68 years of age, they thought I was one of the church elders come right. to listen to what went on. Right. So, at any rate, a half an hour into the meeting, um, I was asked if I wanted to say something. And I said, well, I've just sat here and realised I'm one of you. Right. And that was, yeah, that was the realisation. And I never had another drink from that meeting on. Yeah. So, no, I, I just knew. Right. And how how have you managed? So you said you're about 11, 11 years. 11 and a half. 11 and a half years. The 8th of January. Right. It's my birth, uh, sobriety date. And so how have you coped with difficulties? You mentioned a child dying. How have you managed to to, 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 to cope with things sober? Uh, well, I have a deep faith um, in church, um, and they were amazing as well. But so were the people from AA, and they hardly knew me. It yeah. was a year and a half, um, and Joe had open craniotomies, like eight of them, and it was it was a horrible, horrible time. But being sober for her was the most important thing. But it wasn't a driving force. It was just something I knew that I couldn't drink anymore. Yeah. And um, the support from the people in AA was just amazing. I mean, having phone numbers and calling people. I mean, I've been told, and I tell people too, that that phone is the heaviest thing to pick up sometimes. Um, but, yeah, but it's amazing. And the support still... Just the love and the friendship is totally amazing. And what about service? How important has that been? Just so important because um, it's a voluntary organisation and um, it's our own contributions that keep AA going. And, I mean, doing tea and coffee at a meeting, taking a role in in the meeting, um, being a speaker at a radio show, but 
also um, I've run the service centre. I've just accepted that. I've just been accepted for that role again. Voted on the other night. So, um, and that's where we have someone on uh, duty from two to oh, sorry ten till two, and selling the literature and answering the phones and getting people in touch with people in AA. So, doing exactly what you just doing doing the thing. Granted, I wasn't working, um, yeah. which makes a change, which m- makes a bit of a difference. But um, no, I believe in service, paying back because I wouldn't not want AA to be around for the person who needs it, even in 10 years hence. It would be, yeah, it, I just can't imagine life without AA. Yeah. And some people call it a cult, but it's not. It just isn't. So how would you describe yourself and the life you have today? Your, you know, like your inner self. Oh, my inner self is amazing. Um, I do volunteer work outside of AA as well. But um, I, well, without the alcohol, that pugnacious, oh, there's a word. <laughs> I'm not sure where that came from. Um, that, um, yeah, I, I'm more, I like myself better than I've liked myself for a long, long time. Um, I never, I was a people pleaser. I guess I still am because I don't think that goes away. But um, I remember, yeah, things that have happened over the years. I was always pleasing people, trying to be liked. Yeah. Mm. And how has your life changed since you became sober? Would somebody looking from the outside see much of a difference? Uh I don't know. I've never asked that question. I've never thought about it. But uh, are you living in the same house? Are you driving the same car? Are you doing the same? Oh no, things? cars have changed. Um, I, I, well, the thing is, too, coming into AA, I lost so much money in investments. Um, <clears throat> had all my eggs in one basket, um, and that happened to me three times. So I live. Um, I rent. Um, my yeah, my my life, yeah, my life is, um, I'm very content with where I am, yeah. really. Mm. And what about your relationships, your relationships with your friends, your family? I mean, what about Bill's son, your relationship with him? Has that... Oh, the family have never, I mean, we, oh, Bill and I aren't talking again at the moment. That happens all the time. Um, and that can be because I've, forgotten to take a deep breath right before I've said something um, and but that's okay that's an on and off thing um, no I I don't I actually don't have very many friends out of AA because a lot of my friends were heavy drinkers yeah. like I was yeah and it's really hard but you have to let go yeah you really have to let go and Bill's still a heavy drinker and um, and a heavy smoker, and um, I used to do all those things. But and I'm not being pious or pompous or anything. But you know, I just don't feel the need to do anything like that anymore because um, I have, well, I have a life that um, means a lot to me. Yeah. Mm. So, what about your goals for the future? Um, get through winter, and perhaps I should be walking more, swimming more. Um, I I don't know goals at eighty years of age. Um, 
I'm not quite sure if I've got any goals. Well, I've just taken on the role of Super Centre Coordinator again. Um, I'll, I'll do best of my ability and that's all I can do in life is just be who I am. And, and, um, and But I'm not really worried if they like me or not. But I won't be obnoxious mm. like I used to be. Mm. AA is described as a spiritual program. What does spirituality mean to you? I have um, a deep a deep faith. I go to um, in the city St Michael's Church and All Angels, and um, I'm. It's lovely. There was a wee boy who um, is a pupil at the school. Um, he was asked by the priest at one church service that the children have um, what is what is God and he said that God is a mystery and you have to keep the mystery and um, it was like my daughter worked for Disney, Walt Disney um, on the cruise ship and at Epcot and it was always that Mickey Mouse you keep the dream it's, it's Mickey Mouse it's no one else mm. What how would you describe how how spirituality differs from a religion? Well, spirituality is a deep inner feeling, um, a feeling of peace and calm uh, with meditation and um, a sense, oh, I, I don't know, a sense of being. Um, after I've been, I belong to the meditation group at St. Michael's and at the moment, of course, with COVID, we're not meeting um, because we're all older people. Um I don't know if I can explain it properly, actually. It's just this amazing feeling. What would you suggest to any listeners who, th- who might think that they've got a drinking problem? Oh, <clears throat> I would suggest that they get in touch with AA, not, not to admit that you don't have to say you're an alcoholic. Um, we welcome people to come to meetings um, who are just interested in, in what's happening. It's better better to come and sit, not to judge and say, well, I didn't do that. There was one lady we had who um, never lost a driver's license, but she never had one to lose because right. she never drove. Um, and um, she got a scooter in the end. And she was um, a, someone who came into AA later in life as well. But um, no, I think... It, it, don't ignore any signs if you're feeling that you need help. Just ask, and that's what we're there for, and we can um, help you along, and um, it may not be for you, but um, it's best to um, put your toes in the water and try it first. You mentioned the age that you came into AA. How do you think that's impacted on your sobriety, if it has? Um, I found it really hard coming in because I was so embarrassed um, and it wasn't an easy an easy start because I chose the meetings I went to but then there are so many meetings in Christchurch that you know you can do that. And so what if somebody was out there listening and they were older what would your advice be to them would you have it any other way? Oh I wouldn't have I, I couldn't change what I've got now my my life now compared compared to before i mean i've with my work i've traveled around the world um i lived in england worked in monte carlo worked in washington dc i've had the most amazing jobs and walked on the great wall of china before after i left my husband you know the thing is 
life is for living, and but if only, I say it so frequently, if only I hadn't been drinking in some instances, yeah. it would have been better. But did you ever think you were going to get your life back? The uh, life that you have now, the, the life that you have because you're not drinking? I didn't know that this sort of life I've got now existed. Right. Not really. Mm. Okay, and lastly, what questions would you get someone to ask themselves if they wanted to decide if they needed help? Oh, I really can't answer that because um, I think you know when you know. Um, it's like I always remember there was a lady in hospital when I had one of my hips or before I had to have surgery redone because of all my dislocations. So it was after I stopped drinking and I'd taken the big book in to the hospital with me. Um, it was one of the private hospitals. And um, this lady came in and she had a hip replacement done. Now, I know, not being awful, it doesn't hurt, but at any rate, she um, was in night, she reckoned that she during the, the night she maintained that her hip had dislocated. It was so painful. Um, and at any rate, we were talking, a nurse came in and saw the big book and we were talking about AA and the woman said, oh, I wonder um, if, I'm, if I have a problem with drinking. And that was in the morning. And um, I said to her, well, you know, how many drinks would you have? And she said, oh, two or three. And I said, well, that was my stock answer. Two or three. It was not, not two or three glasses, two or three bottles. It's when you, that craving for alcohol is going, it's not going to replace um, people in any way. Um, I... Yeah, I mean, I I never drank cask wine. <laughs> I only drank fifty dollar bottles of wine. That's why I was broke when I came into AA. Yeah, a good Pinot Noir from down south, you know, show me the label, and and um, I I was there. But I was a wine rep at one stage, so I became a wine connoisseur, of course. Right. Yes. Okay, Maggie. Thanks so much for joining us on the show and sharing your story with us. For our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up at the web at www.aa.org.nz or you can call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 16 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear more from AA members sharing their experiences. Our show is every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening and please remember, if you want to drink, that's your business, but if you want to stop, we can help and you don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant grant me the serenity to accept accept the things things I cannot change, change. Courage courage to change the things things I can, and and the the wisdom wisdom to know the difference. difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9.